Donald Trump, and the art of the modern political campaign. The Fury Theory starts right now. The Fury Theory podcast brought to you by EFB Advocacy. Eric Wilson is a master digital campaign strategist. He's worked for some of the best in the business, including Marco Rubio, Ed Gillespie, and the National Republican Senatorial Committee. He's a thought leader in the world of digital campaigns. He has his own blog, he has his own business, and he's a smart guy when it comes to all the latest. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks. I hope I live up to that introduction. I hope hope you do too. So let's talk about the Trump campaign. They are doing some pretty innovative stuff. You got Brad Parscale as the uh, leader of it. He's Mm -hmm. not a typical campaign hack. No. Uh, What's going on with the Trump campaign? Well, you know, I think the the big advantage that they have is, is not necessarily technological um, but it's in leadership and their management style that they never stopped campaigning in 2016. So they have they took advantage of their head start. Uh, they still have a head start over the Democrats. They, they don't know who their nominee is. They're still trying to convince Democrats to vote. The 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 president's campaign has been been focused on growing their email list, growing their text messaging list since 2017. And and I, I mean that I don't know how anyone gets over that advantage. So Parscale is a Parscale. I don't know how you say it. Uh, He's not a campaign guy. He's kind of a digital guy. And what I want to talk to you about is the digital innovations that they're doing. There's affinity. There's all kinds of stuff that they're they're doing that that all starts from their rallies, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think it's really important to understand that Brad came from a sort of commercial background, right, where, you know, it's a very different set of uh, – KPIs and and strategies and metrics than than coming from politics, as you know. And I think the real advantage there is he didn't come up with all the sort of baggage that you and I might have had coming with with campaigns and understanding. Oh well, that won't work because of this. He really uh, has understood kind of the art of the possible. Now, one of the most interesting things that they're doing that you pointed out is is taking advantage of their rallies as a as a data generation opportunity, and they're 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 starting to open source kind of the results from that, which is really impressive. They have found that, um, you know, almost twenty percent of the people showing up to the rallies haven't voted before um, or voted for Democrats or, you know, I mean, just really crazy insights. And it just shows you how, how good campaign content um, and experiences can, can activate voters. So when you have this big of a lead in getting your act together compared to someone who's not an incumbent, I I always thought that that that's what Barack Obama had Mm -hmm. such a huge lead over whoever the Republicans came up with, which is eventually Mitt Romney. What have they been effectively using that time to manage their campaign uh, to, to what you can view? Yeah. So I, I think it's really important. Everyone who takes a look at the Facebook advertising since they've made it public since 2018, the, the Trump campaign until Mike Bloomberg got into the race was the number one spender uh, on Facebook advertising. And what were they doing? They were building their email list, growing their text messaging opt in. So they. They've been really focused on on building this list of contactable supporters that they can turn out on election day, and and I mean they've never stopped. I, I think they've gotten all the low, low hanging fruit, and now they're going after the really tough people who who they need to turn out. Now let's talk a little bit about the Democrats. Democrats, who, who excites you not to vote for, but from their <laughs> campaign uh, standpoint, who's who's leading the innovation from the Democratic side? Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, we have to talk about Bernie Sanders. I mean, he, he has been, um, you know, he's the front runner right now and, and, and has really embraced the, the idea of an online grassroots community. 
using small dollar online fundraising as a way to propel his candidacy. That's really been the 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 motivator there. The problem is, is he doesn't have good control over his online community. Uh, I wrote a post the other day about you know what can Sanders do about the Bernie Bros, and unfortunately, not much. And uh, so keep an eye on Sanders. Not necessarily anything in sort of the the technological advancements, but really embracing an online community. I've been really impressed with Pete Buttigieg's efforts, particularly around um, visual design and sort of how you communicate online. Uh, really great creative overall. Uh, and then, you know, Bloomberg, by virtue of having a bottomless budget, which I, I think anyone who's working on a campaign would, would love to have, <laughs> uh, you just get to try a bunch of stuff that you've always thought of. And, and you know, if it works, he's a genius. If it doesn't, he's he's an idiot. So we'll, we'll see. So it seems to me that Bloomberg is spending – a vast amount of his resources, uh, a big percentage on television ads. Right. And that is kind of the inverse of Trump. When he won, he did the campaigns, but didn't spend a lot. He seemed to dominate earned media. Bloomberg's not really dominating earned media. And then the whole rally thing, Bloomberg's not doing no. rallies. No one's showing up for him. I think, you know, you, you've hit on the key difference between, you know, the, the money certainly helps, but it doesn't get you across the finish line. Uh, most voters nowadays are consuming politics as entertainment, right? I'm not saying that the issues aren't important, but I'm saying how they consume it is is like entertainment. You know, look at ESPN or CNN; the, their formats are the same, uh, and and so being able to entertain your supporters and and get them to come to rallies, stand in line for hours right. in the cold to to come in is a really it's a superpower, and so uh, you know Bloomberg is not entertaining. He says the same thing over and over again. Um, and if he says something new, it's an, uh, a gaffe. So uh, I, I think we'll see, uh, you know, whether he can energize fo folks. But I, I want to draw out a thread here that I think you've, you've touched on is, is that more and more in modern campaigning, infrastructure uh, is, is an important component. The be being able to develop the technology, activate a, a group of supporters and, and the people who have the head start, you know, who can start right after they were inaugurated have the advantage on creating infrastructure. Bloomberg's trying to buy it and put it in place, but that's not really how t you know modern campaigning works. So you said something very important. Bloomberg's rallies are not very entertaining. Right. Trump's rallies are freaking hilarious. <laughs> I mean, you know, you have, you, I have a very extended view of, of humor. I've got, I think everything's funny. Um, I think, <laughs> I, I mean, Trump, you know, Trump doesn't do gaffes. He's an entertainment shtick. He's, Hilarious. He right. might be the funniest president because he's not on script. Because you're never quite sure what he's going to say, and people want to see that. Right. He understands the value of entertainment. None of these other can candidates does anybody entertain. No. On the I mean, side? This this idea of message discipline. I wish we could just banish it from our vocabulary for candidates because uh, it's not serving anyone. That campaigns have changed. You're not in control anymore. And I'll just tell you from the the 2016 race, working on Marco Rubio's campaign. I knew that if if people had um, watched Marco's speech, they they would be on his team, right? I mean, he had a really powerful story, really powerful message, but couldn't get the cable networks to cover it because it wasn't entertaining enough. Right, and so that was that was how Trump uh, dominated. And so this idea of having the same stump speech over and over again, I think, is starting to to fade in in practicality because people are going to stop covering it. Now, I thought um, cable television. Uh, is important mm -hmm. because it is entertainment. Right. It's not news by any stretch of the imagination. But if you're a Democrat, you want to uh, get on 
MSNBC and CNN right. because that is where your base is, right? And for Fox, you know, Trump communicates chiefly through Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, so talk about how television plays a role in campaigns and earned media and how that all kind of interacts with the digital experience. Yeah, I, I mean, I think th- this idea of it is a base turnout operation right now. So um, if we're consuming this like entertainment, like a sport, you know, we're rooting for our teams. We know what the score is every day, hour by hour, thanks to Twitter and, and, and cable news. And if you don't have a team, you're not paying attention, right? So that that's, I think this idea that we have this, this middle that is, you know, deciding based on policy issues or something else is sort of a misnomer. It's, it's really about, you know, whose side are you on? And so uh, being able to entertain uh, your supporters online, on TV, however you need to do it, that's really the key function of, of a campaign and being able to develop new plot lines and pick feuds. I mean, I think that reality TV is is the model for this. And, <laughs> and, and Donald Trump uh, ran a very successful uh, reality TV show. You're fired. Right. Uh, yeah. uh, so let's say there was a someone made, I can't remember the name of the woman. She wrote, she's a PhD student or doctoral uh, uh, doctor of mm-hmm. poli sci, which I think is ridiculous. Um, and she wrote a piece saying that there's no such thing as a swing voter. Right. Um, talk about that a little bit more. Now, you when you ran campaigns uh, or were part of campaigns with Ed Gillespie, Gillespie tried to get the swing voters somehow. Yeah. There were no swing voters. There weren't. Um, and, and I think that's part of um, I will say that, you know, when it came to independent voters, if you ask people if they're independent, you know, he, he won them both times. But the slice of independent voters kept getting smaller from 2014 to 2017. And uh, this. I mean, if you look at it, you know, in some states, mathematically, you just don't have enough Republicans to get there. So you, you may have to go after those independents. But really, they're. They've got an opinion. They're just not sharing it. So um, I, I, it's tough. I don't know how you navigate that because, you know, I, I was brought up to, you know, as a political operative, say, we've got to get independence. You get your base in the primary and then you pivot to the middle and you fight over the, the swing voters. And you're not supposed to do that anymore. That's not how it works. But people still run that playbook. I, you know, I, I was thinking about Karl Rove in 2004 mm-hmm. uh, and a little bit in 2000. Um you know, they were going after the base voter as much as they could. And I think the Democrats are trying to do the same thing. The percentage of swing voters is maybe 10 percent, right. probably less than that. But it was all about the base, yeah. kind of like Megan Trainer, all, <laughs> all about the base. Noted political strategist. Noted political strategist. And, you know, th- thinking about how Trump is getting the base. I think the most unique thing about the Trump campaign, this is something that I was wrong about. I thought that we'd have to get um, I thought that we would have to get uh, do immigration reform to get Hispanic voters. Yeah. But it seems to me what Trump is doing, he's turning out the base, but also creating a new working class party that has just a variety of anger at the political establishments. Now, he is supposed to be the political establishment because he's the president, but he's not. Right. <laughs> he's still running against the political establishment and they are making it easy for him. Right. And you know, it just seems to me that that Trump has got this own playbook and he's redesigned politics forever. Yeah. And, and so, again, look taking this framework that, you know, politics is being consumed as entertainment. 
the, the, the job in entertainment is to get people's attention and hold on to it for as long as you possibly can. And so, uh, that's, that's, you know, in order to do that, you've got to play the hits. And, and so I think that that's, that's the Trump strategy and, and it is working really well. And, and as long as he can maintain everyone's attention, I, I, I think this is, you know, I will give this free advice to Democrats um, because they won't take it, which is, you know, the, the the best days for them is when Donald Trump is not on the front of the Washington Post or leading the cable news stories. Right. And uh, they want to make it all about him. And that that plays right into the strategy, because um, the, the, the other concept that I like to tell people is that we're not just competing against their political opponents anymore. It's not just Republicans versus Democrats. It's you're competing against all the different things that people can do with their 24 hours in the day. They can watch Netflix. They can listen to podcasts like this one. They can play on their iPhone. They can play games. Uh, the, the, you, you have to claw attention away from them to, to, to keep them focused on politics. And so the, the people who can do that are going to be the winners. Talk a little bit about this idea of creating memes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems to me that the art of campaigning these days is coming up with creative ways to communicate visceral things that will drive people to pay attention yeah. and to, um, you know, create action. Um, memes are part of that, right? And how, how do you go about creating a meme? Is it possible to just do it or is it just something that happens? Yeah, I, I think the... the, the um, uh, you know, meme warfare. I think if, if you're someone like us who who works for campaigns or, or organizations, the, you you can't be in control, right? Control is an illusion. It's very very zen in that regard. Um, what what memes are at their most basic level is a way to share an idea or a concept among a community, right? It's it's a a shorthand for a much more complex idea. Um, you can certainly support them, um, uh, share them by all means, but but they're very difficult to understand uh, to anyone who's not in that in group. Um, the the uh, you know the Sanders campaign, the Trump campaign, they 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 get this. I think they're probably the two of the most skilled at what what's sometimes called mimetic warfare. Mm. Um, but uh, it is it is an interesting uh, part of of campaigning. Um, and and just again at its most basic level, it's a way to transmit a complicated idea in a very simple sort of template. And Trump's a master of that. Absolutely. And and the reason he's a master at it is is he embraces those right. So most candidates would run away from sharing uh, a slightly edgy meme from one of their supporters. But Trump embraces that and says to the community, yeah, I see you. I appreciate what you're doing and and I congratulate you. Rather than sort of a Bloomberg strategy where he creates a meme and forces it on right. a community. That's so interesting. Uh, so you've worked on a lot of campaigns. What are some of the lessons you've learned in the campaigns that you've lost? <laughs> yeah, well, I always say, and, and, and this is, only because I've never worked on a winning campaign, but you 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 learn a lot more from the ones that you lose um, because I think there's a there's a real misnomer in our business or a misunderstanding that everything a winning campaign did was not right and everything that a losing campaign did wasn't wrong and so I think it's it's really tough to sometimes pick apart the the things there so I think the the biggest lessons that I have and I've sort of distilled it in this idea that if you're on a campaign you need to be doing four things getting votes, raising money, getting attention and upsetting your opponent. And so that has been a great sort of uh, filter for me to, you know, is this worth my time or not? Right. And and so uh, that's that's one thing I've learned. Um, you know, I, I've also learned that, you know, the the key to, to being really successful in politics is just sort of 
it's the relationships and the network and, and being able to get things done. It's there's no there's no secret sauce. There's no magic words that you say. It's just sort of hard work and being able to navigate the complexities of, of working with other people. So uh, there are some campaign strategists yep. who have been around for a long time and they keep getting paid <laughs> and they keep, you know, losing. I, I think of people who associate with the McCain campaign uh, who are now never Trumpers, many of them. Um, and, but, you know, they, the old way of campaigning, which is buy a bunch of TV ads. Right. And this town is lousy with people who are good at campaign ads, but not good at campaigning. The thing I love about you, Eric, is you are getting in the trenches in the, the next era of, of campaigning, which is not, not that. It's a right. connection between people and the digital. You can't do one without the other. And so I, I appreciate that because because that's exactly what I'm, I'm focused on. And the the secret there is that that's nothing new. That's what campaigning used to be. It's only been since the, the late 1950s, 1960s, when we, we got into the attention economy, thanks to TV. Uh, and now we're taking that same principle into online. We're just moving TV ads online for the most part of, of where our digital spending is. We, we've gotten addicted to, to being able to buy attention cheaply, efficiently, and at scale. And uh, I think we're starting to see the, the, the boundaries on that being put in place. Netflix, no ads. Yeah. Um, you can buy podcasts without ads. And I mean, it's just getting very difficult to to interrupt people and get their attention. We need to start moving into permission-based marketing. That's why we've always had parallel structures like parties, magazines, TV networks. And so, uh, you know, we're just going back to the old ways of doing it. But the, the tools of technology are, are enabling us to do that. All right. So final question, what is the next big platform for digital campaigning, we we've had it was it was Twitter, then it was Facebook. Uh, what is the next? It's not TikTok. <laughs> no, um, we'll see. We'll see. I think TikTok will be buzzy. I actually wrote a, a blog post about whether this will be the TikTok election. I don't think it will be uh, because I remember 2016 was supposed to be the Meerkat election, and Meerkat's not with us anymore. <laughs> um, but but I think the the next. Uh, well, I'm going to hedge my bets and say there are two two interesting places. One is is voice search, right? So as we get more more and more searches, I think um, I, I don't have the exact numbers off the top of my head, but we're we're becoming more and more comfortable asking Siri, asking Alexa, asking Google um, to search things for us. That changes the the strategy behind search engine optimization completely. Wow. So you have to think about you know what is Alexa going to tell your voters about your candidate. Wow. Okay. Right. So yeah. I mean, that's that's a so Alexa. Right. Huh. So and then I think the other thing is 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 moving, um, sort of, tech. As you know, I'm in, invested in Startup Caucus. We're doing uh, accelerating campaign technology and, and invested in a number of of software companies that are building campaign tech. And so I think, you know, creating more software to build infrastructure for campaigns is. Each campaign is going to have their own app. They're going to have their own set of tools. And so I think that's the the other battleground that's opening up. That's really fascinating. Eric, thank you so much for being on the yep. Fury Theory podcast at EFB Studios. Uh, we really appreciate it. I, I've learned a lot about campaigns and the future of campaigns, and I hope you did too. Thanks for being on the show. Great. Thanks, John.